This is WMPG 90.9 Southern Maine Community Radio from USM. In the Pocket, a show where BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, people of color, creatives, artists, and culturists come together and talk about their inspirations, share their narrative, and explore culture. You are listening to In the Pocket. Your host, Flo Edwards, and our guest today, Adila Sabrine Muhammad, and she is the lead organizer for Third Place. The Third Place is a collaborative organization and co-working space that builds community capacity through collective work and cooperative economics to support the advancement of Black entrepreneurs, community leaders, and professionals in Maine. Please, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Adela Muhammad. Um, I am a resident of Bloomington, Maine, and a consultant. I am the co-founder of The Third Place, which is a collaborative organization in Portland. Um, we're looking to go statewide, but we, are, we operate a co-working space that is dedicated to serving black and brown entrepreneurs, uh, civic leaders, and professionals in the state. Wonderful. So did that start recently? Well, it began uh, about three years ago, um, around October 2016. It was originally, the co-working space was originally a a space designed for high school youth um, who are part of the King Fellows program. And when the King Fellows uh, stopped using the space, there was there were other groups in the community who were looking for spaces to hold meetings, organize, and do all sorts of things. And there was this constant um, there was a constant like um, tension between like always searching for a space. And so we used the the the, the third place as a permanent meeting space. Um, for for different groups, uh, so the more people started hearing about the space, they more wanted to use it. And so, um, our first members were the Black Artist Forum and the Theater Ensemble of Color, and then the um, we had a couple of private businesses, freelancers who were operating businesses out of the space. Um, now it's home to Survivor Speak. Uh, Forest Bias Fund, um, Embodied Equity Consulting, and Outdoor Afro. And so we're looking to expand membership soon. Um, kind of held out that off since COVID started, but um, we, we've still been continuing our programming and continuing our organizing work. Right now we are we're organizing different groups across the state or different people across the state who have these small, um, maybe one person initiatives that they're doing on their own. And we're trying to pull individuals together um, to support those initiatives and make them become a little bit more formal and give them a little bit more capacity. So right now we are working with educators of color in Maine, trying to 
shore up that group. It's led by an individual named Julia Hazel. She's an educator in Portland. Um, and she has been um, pulling together ed educators for about, I think about two or three years now. And we're trying to make sure that they have the, the necessary tools that they need to uh, continue to develop as a group. Uh, we're working with health and wellness um, practitioners to bring those individuals together to um, not only not only become more visible in the BIPOC community, but to also um, to, to kind of build a, a sense of community around those individuals, uh, an attorneys and law group for individuals um, of color in Maine. And so we're trying to connect with that those groups. So we're doing, um, we're trying to make sure that there is representation in a lot of different sectors. So we're trying to find individuals who are already functioning in the, those roles and bring them together um, on a regular basis so that they could, um, so that they could have the, the ability to not only network amongst themselves, but also in the event that there is a need to create some type of um, broad-based community response to an issue, that we have, we're represented by multiple sectors versus just um, from the from a direct service um, perspective. That's awesome. Yeah. So the networking and the facilitating. Um, I think I saw there was. Uh, for the culture trivia night, is that uh, an example of what you're talking about, too? Yeah, um, we we ideally wanted to have those in person. Um, we, we can have social events, so we have an individual named Faith Douglas who who is very into trivia, and like I said, we try to find individuals that have their own passion for whatever she enjoys. Um, she enjoys fun things, so um, we thought that it was a perfect opportunity to have some type of social event online. We had our first one it's probably a month ago now, and we have uh, one coming up. Um, we haven't set the date yet, but um, yeah, it's just about connecting people in Maine who may not know one another uh, in a very fun way. I myself thought that I would not enjoy trivia. I thought I would not know anything, but it was like about, it was 90s R&B type thing. Um, and so it was a lot of visuals and a lot of just like, you know, identifying different videos and stuff. So it was pretty fun. And, you know, you get to meet people that you wouldn't have otherwise liked to meet. And, and the team that won, won a, won a, uh, a, a, a gift certificate, $25 gift certificate to, um, uh, their choice of a black owned restaurant oh wow well I think I might sign up for that next time <laughs> <laughs> so who's like your favorite R&B or one of your favorite R&B acts from the 90s oh my gosh I, I'm one of those people who I've never been into anything like some people can like rattle off movies and songs and stuff and I'm just kind of like there let's see um, in Vogue you know I you know I think I'm dating myself, but um, they were my girls, and you know, let's see, Jodeci. I'm not too shabby. No, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, those are good standouts. Classic signature '90s. Um, one of my favorites. I don't know if you remember Jade. Oh, 
They kind of had that one oh, yeah. hit, Don't Walk Away. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Solid. Yeah, I, I was listening to SWV the other day. It came on the radio because I was listening to Fly XM. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it took me back. All right. <laughs> Sitters with Voices. Uh, classic. I love that the Michael Jackson song they sampled. Um, I think it's Human Nature, but that's not the name of the song. I don't know if you remember their version. but Yeah, I'm, I'm not that good with songs. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, uh, thank you for entertaining me for that one. Uh, I noticed, too, on the Instagram for um, third place, you were promoting some history. Uh, Did you have those books? I have one of the books that you have, but I think one of them was a a movie, um, but it was about history of black people in New England and then in Maine in particular and Bangor. There was a Bangor one. I was like, whoa. Yeah, I, I think I, 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 I had those books and they were um, they were just around. I, they were always kind of stashed away and I had found them that day and just kind of clipped the picture of them. And the, the other video um, that I have, um, I forget the title of it now, I try to pop it into my my dual DVD VCR player. My, <laughs> I discovered my VCR player no longer works, so I didn't get a chance to take a peek at that one again. Um, I don't really know much about the black history in Bangor, so I'm going to look for that book. I was pretty excited to see that. Um, another one of your events was the Juneteenth gathering and that was during COVID. So tell me how that went and anything you want to tell me about that. Yeah, it, it went really well. It was, um, it was kind of a last minute thing. I think that, um, people were were feeling like they needed to come together and I think that just in the African American tradition you know it felt like a time to have a family reunion um, we had it outdoors so we felt safe enough to do it and everything was all the food was individually wrapped so there was no touching and serving or anything and Black Betty's Bistro provided the the food for us which is another black owned a restaurant in town, I mean, a black-owned catering company in town, um, and so it was just a really nice time to to one have people express themselves because of the just the uh, just the moment. You know, the moment just kind of called for folks coming together. We read poetry, we burst out into song. You know, we just. It's what black folks do. <laughs> right. You're celebrating. That was nice. Um, do you see doing Juneteenth events going forward? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, not only because just celebrating the, the day, but it's important because there's so many people of color moving to, to Maine that um, we want to be able to have these events to make sure that they're connecting with people. It's a lot of times people will come to the state and they don't make those critical uh, networking connections, which in many cases is absolutely critical to them holding, you know, a nice job in the state. You know, there, there are the stories of folks who come here who've got these, you know, high paying jobs and great careers and they just can't find the, the social networks 
to support their existence, so they end up leaving. So yeah, those types of events and celebrations are just um, also a part of our networking strategy to get folks, you know, out meeting each other. And you also um, post a lot about different grants that people can apply for. I love that. How did you, was that part of the start of what the third place was as well, besides just having a space? Yeah, so the, I'm, a, I'm also, I'm a strategic planning research consultant, but I also do grant writing. And since I've been in Maine, I have, you know, written grants for a number of ethnic community-based organizations. And I find that there's always a need um, to access information and not every organization can have a grant writer on staff or, uh, or or contract grant writers so I try to as much as I can put that information out I, I put a lot of information out on the black artist forum as well because um, I'm a grant writer for Indigo Arts Alliance and so I come across a lot of individual artist grants as well so um, I wish I could do more but I'm so inundated by just work itself that it's, it's hard to, you know, always, you know, find those opportunities and post them when I, you know, don't even really regularly post to third place site, <laughs> third place Instagram, but that will hopefully improve. How did you get into grant writing? Um, well, I got into it, let's see, um, I was doing consulting and then I got pregnant and so I couldn't be out of the house as much um, and, and meeting with different clients. So I wanted to find something that I could do um, after my, my son was asleep. So after I put the kids to sleep, I could still write grants, I could still do all that stuff um, at home and not really have to come in contact with anybody. Um, yeah, and it, it, was, it was meant to be a temporary thing and it kind of became permanent. <laughs> Uh, so I just kind of like worked it into my practice what I do. Great. And the, what is all of your practice? Well, um, well, I, in a, in a nutshell, I pretty much do what a, a business consultant would do for a for-profit organization. So I help, um, organizations build capacity, start up, that sort of thing. I'm kind of like, um, you, you know, have you ever heard that the, the, the hairstylist that has bad hair. <laughs> of course, I've cool. seen them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I am, I am that organizational consultant that I'm struggling to get my organization firmly off the ground. I mean, it's there, um, but it's a lot of my time is invested in other organizations and helping them grow and thrive. So, um, yeah. So I, I do a lot of. Um, program development, um, board development, those sorts of things. That's awesome. Um, so how many organizations so far have you helped? Um, in Maine, well, I, I, I work with organizations across. The, yeah, I would say know, with Maine, yeah, with Maine. In, in Maine, has been since about 2008, at least 26. It's amazing. 26 organizations. Um, some are more long-term than others. Um, some might come in for a short period of time and I'm gone. Um, but others, others I, I stick with, like 
I don't think Indigo is going to be able to get rid of me. Uh, I love working with Indigo and Marcia and Daniel. They're great people. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to actually take a step back from grant writing uh, so that I can focus on the third place because the, the more I invest the time in um, really looking for these emerging leaders out there who are have these initiatives that are so important, um, I don't want to see them fail. You know, we need a, a, a very strong network of educators of color in the state of Maine to be able to have a voice, you know, and I want to make sure that that grows and thrives. I want to make sure that um, we're developing also a BIPOC conservation collaborative, uh, which is going to be made up of individuals who are currently working in conservation in the state um, and helping to build an independent BIPOC voice around conservation issues that matter to us as a community um, so that we are articulating what our interests are in conservation and climate change outside of um, organizations that are mainstream. Um, so a lot of this work um, that I'm seeing is so amazing, but you know, they're all run by individual people and they just need the support. And I think what we're trying to do at a third place is bring all these groups together, you know, have one grant writer, have one, um, have individuals who are in these groups share the expertise so that all these groups can thrive uh, together. And, and looking at all of our individual groups to see what can we do as a community to help each other, but also to build this really strong and deep network throughout the state. I've been here since 2001, um, and I've seen a lot of initiatives come and go, and I think that era is over, and I, that's why I'm, I'm stepping back from a lot of the for-profit work that I do to invest the time in the community building that I think is so essential. That is awesome. Um, it's really kind of like putting all the eggs in a basket, so to speak, for efficiency. Yeah, yeah. and it's and it's and like we're not trying to recreate anything. We're trying to see what's already out there that just needs a little bit of support and a little bit of legs, um, because there are tons of people doing great work. Um, there's tons of people who have interests that just need a need a group to connect with um, and sometimes that makes a difference between that individual you know staying in Maine or leaving Maine you know we're, we're trying to find a place where everyone can can bring their passion with your connecting of all the different organizations and kind of helping them streamline and get off the ground and utilize resources for Indigo Arts, are you their grant writer, or is this through third place? Is that I'm, I'm their I'm their grant writer, okay. so that is that's my for profit. You know, I connected with them okay. through my, my business called Score, uh, Scorecard Strategic Planning and Research. Um, so I do their grant writing, 
but I'm also on the advisory board and we have talked about the importance of the arts as a community building tool. So when I'm writing grants for Indigo, I'm not just talking about arts and the aesthetics of art and the need to support artists, but also the impact that artists in the state have on creating place for black and brown folks. So one of when you think about Maine, you think about the environment, when you think about Portland, you think about the arts and the food and those things. But you also have to think about where where are BIPOC folk in that mix? And are they having the same experience with the arts and the environment um, as other folks are? And so if we're talking, if, if I'm a company that's recruiting and trying to retain um, a diverse work, workforce, it, it's important that Maine has a, a thriving arts scene that is diverse um, and inclusive because that also indicate it's a, it's a real marker for uh, what the social scene is. So the arts in, in my narrative is not just about aesthetics, it's about community building, it's about activism, it's about all these things. And Indigo is about all those things as well. So um, yeah, it's, so Indigo is actually, um, we're looking at Indigo to become one of our strategic partners because the artists, as you probably know, are usually the individuals who are more likely to go into smaller towns throughout Maine. They're the first folks to set up and, um, in challenged communities. So it's important for us to, to support artists and build community and make them a part of the other work and cultural infrastructure that we're trying to build in Maine. And the Portland's population is encroaching on like 10% people of color. So it's great that you're doing this. Really great. Well, thank you. Have you started your the Black Professions Association yet? So right now we are we're just we're we're trying to um, do an asset map of all of the different groups out there and, and determine what their professional needs are. Uh, one thing I'm very cautious about is not to lead with my own agenda too much. Um, so that's why that's why it's taken a lot of time to um, kind of develop the organization because when we first started out, um, the the group that was initially there, we we said we're gonna um, dedicate ourselves to an organic process, and so we wouldn't be shifted and changed too much by what was going on in the environment. Um, so as more people get involved in the third place, the, the more it's informed by those around the table. So I'm trying to, um, that was initially um, my idea and um, as an organizational planning consultant, sometimes, you know, work with other organizations, you can, they want you to lead with your ideas. And so I, I just wanted to kind of take a step back because this is also a way of uh, experimentation and research for me um, just to just to understand how can you evolve and grow an organization that is slow, 
steady and informed by the people who kind of jump on the train with you. Well thought out. I like how you say be organic about it. So how big is the team so far? Well, so far, our team consists of those individuals who are in the space who have, um, who are resident organizations. So okay. It, uh, so, so all of those individuals who are leading those organizations are part of the team. And we also have uh, a board of four um, that we're trying to add two more people to. Um, so, yeah. So we're, we're trying to, um, we want to make it representative as much as possible but as you know you know when I want to make it representative as much as possible but also knowing and understanding that people have a lot on their plate um, so I'm trying to do most of the heavy lifting <laughs> um, for folks and usually what I ask is mostly for folks to bring their ideas and their perspectives um, and I bring the, the planning and the grant work for it yeah where you're currently at sounds really great sounds like it's gonna like flourish quite a bit um where do you see next year going um hopefully i mean we don't know if COVID's going to be gone probably not but how are you planning for that um well we're we're starting to put together like our 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 um our social calendar so to speak um and uh, really putting some meat behind our programming, which a lot of it will take place online. We're doing a lot of looking to do a lot of collaborative work with other organizations. Um, so we're, we don't plan on stopping our um, social events. Um, we'll either have them online or they'll be outdoors. Um, I know Outdoor Afro is currently planning a uh, a, um, a series of ski events so it would be nice to you know you know it's always nice to see new people show up to those events as well so that's also part of networking and um, yeah so we're you know we have a also event that we're going to um, have on November 20th with Indigo Arts Alliance. It's going to be online and it's a part of our placemaking initiative where when, when folk, new folks come to Maine, we ideally wanted to have like a quarterly party or get together kind of social thing for folks, but we can't do that now. But there's a number of individuals who relocated to the Lewiston Auburn area uh, that we really wanted to welcome to the community. Um, particularly those who are um, new to Bates uh, College. Um, there's a number of black and brown professors who are there now, a uh, number of folks who are coming to Lewis and Auburn because they're getting pushed out of Portland. Um, and we were planning to have an event in Lewis and Auburn that we couldn't have, but we're going to have uh, an event on November 20th online and you'll be able to have, find out more information through the in, the Instagram site or through uh, Indigo's Instagram or website. What's also driven me is the fact that a lot of my friends who, who came here left the state um, 
and I, I want to keep good people here because you know I got a house here and I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of dug in so I'm just <laughs> like I have to be a part of the solution and not just talk about what's wrong that there's not enough things to do and um, I've always just been you know if there's a problem let's solve it I love it so what's the plug how can people reach you or donate to a cause well, I guess the, the, the best way to reach us now is through our Instagram page, which is um, Third Place Maine. And if we, we're with this organizing work, uh, we're trying to support these individual initiatives that are really taking shape. And if folks want to donate, they can donate at Third, through a Venmo account at Third Place Maine. Um, or, you know, if folks want to email me directly, they can email me at uh, thirdplaceportland at gmail.com. And you were listening to In the Pocket with your host, Flo Edwards, and our guest today, Adila Sabri Muhammad, and she is the lead organizer at The Third Place. You are listening to WMPG 90.9 Southern Maine Community Radio.